friends, let us pray. Most holy God, most gracious God, high God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for life. We thank you for health. We thank you for strength. We thank you, God, for bringing us to this place called First Baptist Church of Washington, D.C. We thank you, God, for just allowing us to hear words of praise to you. We thank you for allowing us to hear your text being read. We thank you, God, for allowing us to see with our eyes baptism and the beginning of a new walk in Jesus the Christ. We say thank you and we praise you. Now, God, I ask in this preaching moment that you, kind God, continue to indwell each and every one of us. Allow us all to be fertile soil where the seeds of love and of action and the, the faith of Jesus Christ are planted within us so that we can do what you have called us to do. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. First, I want to say it's an honor and a privilege to be here. I give honor to God for safe travels for me and for just allowing me to be with you at this particular moment in time. I also am thankful for the wonderful hospitality of the pastors of this church. I thank Pastor Julie and I thank Pastor Alyssa for just allowing me to see such graciousness, such hospitality, and such welcome. And for that, I am thankful. Now, there is the task of a message, or there is a task of preaching that is before us. And in order to massage our minds to think about where we're going with today's message, I want to start with a hymn that my father would always, always, always begin every devotional time at St. Paul Baptist Church where I grew up. And the hymn is, and I can't sing, so I'm not singing it. All right, don't, don't smile as you're expecting me to sing. Mm -mm. <laughs> the hymn is, Alas and did my Savior bleed and did my Sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? And the verse or the chorus is, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith, I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. That hymn came to me this morning as I was pondering how to bring Sandra Bland at the cross to you. And I thank the Holy Spirit 
for dropping that verse into my heart. Because as you've heard the scripture passage read for you today, and if you look at some of your traditional Bibles that actually start the passage at chapter or at verse 42, we actually were reading and connecting from verse 40 through verse 47. And so I often tell students when I'm teaching biblical text, don't be beholden to where the interpreters or the translators place headings. Because where they place a heading may not actually be where you want to have a hard stop. But you may actually want to connect verse 40 that says, and the women. How many of you know that there are always women around? All right. The women were watching from afar. And it was those women, Mary from Magdala, Mary of Jacob the Lesser, and the mother of Josias and Salome. These women who had been following Jesus and ministering to him, and many other women who'd come up unto Jerusalem, or Eusolema. I'm reading it from the Greek, so please forgive me. All right. But the thing is, these women who all of a sudden, the gospel writer says, oh, by the way, there were women there who had followed him from Galilee. Now, from chapter around chapter four of the gospel of Mark, all the way to this point, We'd been seeing Jesus having conversations with the disciples, the male 12, having arguments and beginning at chapter 8 through 10 to have arguments and conflict, not conflict, but just conversations with these male disciples. But now, here at verse 40 of chapter 15, the writer says, oh, I forgot there were women there too who were there the entire time. The entire time. And followed him and ministered to him. And these women were doing something particular that if you're not a Greek reader, you don't know that it's particular. What were they doing? I'm so glad you asked. They were doing something called Theoreo. Now, if you read the Gospel of Mark from beginning to end, you will see that this idea of seeing, this idea of blepo, this Greek word, appears all throughout the Gospel of Mark. So when we get to chapter 8 and Jesus Starts chapter 8 with a healing. Well, not starts, but in the middle of chapter 8. And then at the end of chapter 10, ends it with another healing. They're healings of blindness. And at the chapter 10 healing, around 1052, you get the person who's healed of blindness. And Jesus says, what do you see? Blepo. 
And he says, I see people walking around as if they were trees. And then Jesus kind of does a, a smack down again. And he says, now what do you see? And he's like, I can see clearly. I can see clearly. And that Greek word is blepo. But here, the women are doing a seeing or they are watching or they are looking. They are looking at two things. They are looking at where Joseph of Arimathea placed the body. Let me turn back to my notes and make sure I get it right. So it's around verse 40. There, there are women who were first watching from afar. There were women at verse 40 who were theoreoing or seeing from afar. When I say theorea, in your head, how do you imagine it's being spelled? Think about the word theory, T-H-E-O-R-Y. That's why Greek is fascinating because we have a lot of connotations to English. So essentially, these women are theorizing from afar and looking and seeing what is happening as the body of Jesus is being begged for or requested boldly by Joseph of Arimathea. And then you get that same word again at verse 47. But Mary from Magdala and Mary, the mother of Josias, the person of Josias, theoruned and where he was placed. They were watching or looking or seeing intently where Jesus was placed. Why is all of this important? You have women who start this passage looking and end this passage looking, all right? And I've just established for you that looking is tantamount to what's going on in all of the Gospel of Mark. Well, what are they looking at? I'm arguing to you today that these women are looking at the men in the middle who are making decisions about the body of their Lord and Savior, and they lack the privilege to be a part of the conversation. They lack the privilege to be a part of the conversation. So use your theological imagination with me to see what was going on and what the women were seeing. What do you imagine at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? At the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Jesus is hanging between two other people who are being crucified. Now, crucifixion was a Roman art form. And as a Roman art form, that meant that the soldiers were in charge of doing or upholding or performing the crucifixion. And what happens when there are a lot of soldiers milling about an area where violence is happening? All right, think about it in your sanctified imagination. Violence is happening. Men are being crucified. Soldiers are milling about. Is that, would you imagine, a safe place for women? No. I was trained under a Korean 
feminist biblical scholar who often will think back to her ancestors of comfort women and what it means for women to be comforting to military presences. You know where I'm getting, right? So the women are looking from afar, knowing that if they get too close, they are getting closer to violence. So here's the question I have for you today, for all of us today. Where is your skin in the game? Do you know what I mean when I say skin in the game? It's so easy to be on the sidelines and look and point and not care about what's happening to the people who are being crucified today in our society. Crucified today in our society. And this is where Sandra Bland comes in. About four months ago, her own video of her own arrest surfaced. And in that video of her own arrest, Sandra Bland spoke from the grave. And she allowed us to see that the officer, Brian Insinia, who had said that he feared for his life because Sandra Bland would not put out the cigarette in her own car. He did not know what was going on in her car. And because he feared for his life, he felt as though he had to arrest her. Well, that video surfaced and we saw Sandra Bland's point of view where we see that Sandra Bland actually saw a man of privilege get very upset that she would not immediately obey his orders. So here's the question for our text today. When the women are looking at their leader who they followed from Galilee, bodies, his body being requested of Joseph of Arimathea, I always ask my students this particular question. Was Joseph of Arimathea a disciple of Jesus the Christ? Don't answer that. But here's the guiding question for the Gospel of Mark at this particular moment. Now hear me well. We know that Luke and John, Luke and John write their Gospel such that we don't doubt that Joseph of Arimathea is a disciple of Jesus. But right here, in this moment, in the Gospel of Mark, the women are uncertain about Joseph of Arimathea because if they had known Joseph of Arimathea and they want to be a part of burying their leader and they want to see him and anoint his body before it goes into the grave, they would have, I bet, approached Joseph of Arimathea and said, let us help you. And when you read the Gospel of Mark earlier, you see that the entire council condemned Jesus to death. And who is Joseph of Arimathea aligned with? He's a council member. 
but he's a council member who is awaiting and expecting the reign, the rule, the kingdom of God. This is where it gets antsy, folks. You can't be on the sideline trying to get everything done and over with. What am I getting at? How many of us, when we hear about another police shooting, when we hear about another murder, when we see that officers are not being held accountable, how many of us look at people and say, just get over it. We have to move on. You can't sit in that. You can't reflect upon that. I would argue that Joseph of Arimathea in this particular moment in the Gospel of Mark, knowing that the Sabbath and the Passover is coming, is trying to do his best to allow his Jewish people, let's start to get over it and let's prepare for Passover. And that, my friends, is difficult for a lot of us to read in our biblical text. But it gives us a snippet of how we can begin to think through what happened at the crucifixion of Jesus and what it means to think about other black and brown bodies that are at the cross being crucified today. Sandra Bland at the cross. We dare not tell Sandra Bland's mother to get over it, but we have to as conscious, critically thinking, lovers of Jesus the Christ begin to read our text and say, what does it look like to imagine Jesus among all of these dead ones who are still being crucified today? And how do we, as lovers of Christ, begin to expand what ministry and what having skin in the game for those who are our brothers and sisters who are dying and are waiting for help, for assistance, for those of us to exude the love of God as they go to court, as they seek indictments, as they remember loved ones, as they think about their loved ones who are also crucified in today's day and age. So my friends, my father would sing the other verse of at the cross and he would say, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of Love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Earlier today, I taught on not just believing in Jesus the Christ, but having the faith of Jesus Christ that says, I have skin in the game. That means I give myself away to the least of these in this world. 
that I've seen my Lord and Savior die and raise again and believe that God would raise him from the, from the dead ones. And so I hold the same faith of Jesus Christ that I give myself away to my friends who are losing their loved ones, to my fellow body of Christ who are not black body of Christ, not Korean body of Christ, not Hispanic body of Christ, not Latinx body of Christ, but all of us as the body of Christ. Tis all that I can do. So as we ponder and as we've witnessed all of us having faith in Jesus Christ, I invite us to also have the faith of Jesus the Christ to walk with our loved ones, our other parts of the body who need us to walk with them. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, God who wants us to have skin in the game for our friends, our loved ones, who have been wearing a stigma of unruliness, who have been wearing a stigma of not obeying, who have been wearing a stigma of causing people to fear for their safety when there's no fear to be had. Those of us who have been called rapists or murderers or drug dealers. Those of us who have been told to go back to lands that we've come from. Those of us who also accept and hold on to the love of Jesus Christ. We implore and pray for each and every one of us to have skin in the game even as we engage difficult conversations on race, on racism, on immigration, and even on Project 1619, that God, for the history of these United States of America, has begun the stereotyping of various groups of people. So, even as we hold on and pray for and await and sit in the love of Jesus the Christ. Allow us to sit in faith in Jesus the Christ as we exert the faith of Jesus Christ by having skin in the game in these hard and difficult conversations that we as lovers of Jesus and as Christians in today's world should be the thoughtful leaders of. So God, we thank you and we praise you that this word will not return void. In Jesus' name, friends, amen and amen. Thank you.